You're listening to Education Experts with EDX Education. Education is evolving. Join Heather Welch from EDX Education chatting with teachers, psychologists, parents, authors, creatives, and other talented experts to keep up with the trends and what's happening from around the globe. This podcast series from EDX Education discusses home learning, school readiness, being creatives, changing in education, discussing what's next, hands-on learning, or as we like to say, learning through play. Welcome everyone, I'm Heather Welch from EDX Education, and today I'll be in conversation with Louise Goss. Louise is a mum, a journalist, photographer, editor, and founder of Homeworker Magazine, which was shortlisted for launch of the year by the British Society of Magazine Editors, and has plenty of tips, which let's be real at the moment, is very relevant to all of us on working from home, especially in the UK. Today we're chatting to Louise about founding Homeworker Magazine, goals and trends for working from home. Welcome, Louise. It's wonderful you could join us today. Can you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them about your passion for flexible working, or as we like to say, working from home? Hi, Heather. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so goodness, the Homeworker actually started a couple of years ago, and I suppose I saw it as a platform to just help reassure people and offer a few tips and things for people who do work from home. And I think that began because I'd been doing it myself for over a decade. I'd been working from home at times as a freelancer, as a self-employed person, but also as an employee, um, as part of a business. So I had seen it from all sides and I kind of had my eyes open to, you know, what working from home was like and, and running a business. And it just struck me as something that kind of there wasn't really anything out there, I guess, for people who worked from home. So I saw it as an opportunity to to create this. And I think the, the passion around it is more just wanting to help support people who, who are doing it. Because actually, when you start working from home, it's not quite as simple as just pulling up a chair at your table and, and getting <laughs> on with your day, because it really doesn't always work that well. And So this was taking a very holistic view of working from home. That's what I wanted. I wanted to create something that kind of fused. I think when I talk about the magazine, I think of it as a bit of a fusion of sort of business productivity mixed with lifestyle and your uh, well-being and, well, you know, wellness and also kind of interiors as well. So your home workspace and your environment. So I kind of saw it as a real sort of, you know, it it acknowledges the fact that working from home is an integration of all of these things. You know, we live and work in the same four walls under the same roof. And I thought actually, it's quite interesting to explore some of these, the challenges that arise as part of that, as well as the benefits and sort of celebrating the, the good points of it, of course, as well. And because I'd done it for so long, and as a journalist, I was interested in people's stories and I, that, that's kind of how it all began and I, I can, I'm sure I'll talk a bit a bit more about that but yeah I, I was just interested in in people hearing about how they managed it and also you know could, could go off my own experience doing it as well. Well Louise when did you start it was it three years ago or was it two years ago? Two, so 2019 the first issue came out so but still yeah well before <laughs> COVID-19 <laughs> was uh, was around. No, you definitely talk about being before your time with this magazine. <laughs> I mean, when you started it, did you ever think that, you know, I think it's about 80% of the nation is working from home. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, goodness me. I, I think 
I mean, the short answer is no, I did not foresee that. Oh, certainly I didn't foresee that happening quite so quickly as it has happened. I mean, what I could see is that that was an area that was growing and that more people were requesting and wanting flexible working. We had more people going self-employed and going freelance. So I could see that it wasn't a stagnant area of the working population, as it were. And I couldn't see anything else out there that really offered uh, support and and tips and ideas and, uh, you know, inspiration, I suppose, for people who did work from home. So, but of course, although I could see it growing and perhaps there was a trend towards it, more people doing it, uh, you know, I could never have predicted what happened in, in 2020 with us all being suddenly forced into doing it. But I think that was a catalyst for probably something that was going to be inevitable, but would have taken a lot longer. Are you finding, though, that now, I mean, originally it was a UK-based magazine, I'm assuming. Hmm. So now you yeah, well, get a lot more it was digital. Yes, uh, yeah, definitely. So, I mean, because I started it as a digital uh, magazine, it effectively anyone could could access it and read it. So although predominantly, you know, people were in the UK reading I did see people, you know, more people. So, you know, people in the States, people in Australia, um, other people within Europe. And then I created a print version of the magazine. And I do that currently. I just do it as an annual print edition, kind of curating some of the best of the year's digital content into something, you know, like a really nice quality magazine. And that is stocked nationally in the UK it is also stocked in some Barnes and Noble stores in the US. And of course, I can still mail it out. So I have sent copies of that out because people can order it directly from the website. So I can, I've sent it out to Australia, New Zealand um, and other places all around the world. Have you found there's a huge increase in the last, I mean, obviously in the last 12 months, even for people looking for advice for all of for working from home and where to start, really? I mean, I know... As a mum, oh my gosh, sometimes you feel like you've run a marathon before you even hit your desk and dump your emails. Or, yeah. <laughs> you know, at the start of the first lockdown, I've got two children and I would get up at five in the morning. I would dump all my emails just to get mm-hmm. them ready for the home learning. And then I'd swap with my husband at certain hours and I'd be back there from yeah. like five to nine at night. I mean, it was just crazy until we figured out our routine. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I think that, I mean, this last year has been so strange and I, I mean, it's not really been an accurate reflection of what working from home is like. So, I mean, I, I sort of think about people who have suddenly had to start working from home since March and, you know, <laughs> their first experience of it has been mixed in with, you know, trying to reply to emails while supervising a maths lesson or something. And it's just, you know, it just isn't the way that it <laughs> that it would be normally and I think we have to recognize that because it you know it's been really stressful and like you say you know until you get into a good routine um, you find you, it, there's a real danger of burning out with it so I mean people have yeah definitely more people have been looking for tips and advice and I mean it was interesting when we all started doing it how you know every publication every website almost regardless of their their focus um was suddenly coming out with their top tips and you know everybody was coming out as 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 an expert in various things and you know and that's fine and, and people were looking for it and people were needing it and i found that i you know i sort of i suppose 
evolved slightly in that I wanted to help people, you know, I could see an immediate need. So, you know, in that instant, when people were really struggling, they were not necessarily going to instantly think I'm going to subscribe to a magazine. But what they did want was some instant tips. So I kind of helped with that side of it. And then I think as people, as it becomes more normal, and as people start uh, getting used to it, <laughs> and, and realizing that perhaps they're going to be doing this for a much longer term, this is where, you know, the homework can really help because it explores topics in a lot more depth and detail. And yes, you know, you can go onto the website and find quick tips around various aspects of homeworking, but then the magazine kind of just explores things and different topics and sort of an interesting, you know, aspects to working from home rather than just giving, you know, a quick top three tips, which, you know, it's, it's useful, but I think as people do it longer term, you kind of want something a bit more sustainable and, and actually it, it's interesting. Like I, I, what I love about the magazine is all the different experts that I speak to and, all the different topics and angles that we take on certain subjects. You know, for instance, we're looking looking at productivity and focus. Well, yes, there are probably three very quick things that you can say, this is going to help you. But then I also interviewed um, an amazing professor who is an expert in ADHD, but it was, but here, but listening to him talk about, you know, techniques that help people focus for long periods and how we can apply it to working from home, for instance, so some of the things that we look at are just, you know, it, it's just a bit more interesting and perhaps a bit more in-depth as well. So have you found, say, for example, in 2019 when you started, when you started, I mean, it would have completely evolved the magazine the last 12 months. Yeah. But the advice that people are looking for, that the consumers are looking for, is it has changed due to our very unconventional year this year. You know, so more parents focused of, oh, juggling, learning spaces and all these sort of things. People have been more interested, you know, certainly the parents have been interested in, you know, how to juggle, how to manage time, just how to get through the day and still manage to keep on top of some work without everybody in the house going completely crazy or, or stressed. And, you know, and that goes for the children, too, because, you know, they're obviously affected by this as well. So. Yeah, there have been a lot more of, uh, you know, that's the sort of area that we have looked at a bit more. In fact, in the latest issue of the magazine, which funny enough had a theme of joy because I actually want, I realized that we didn't really have much of that in our life at the moment. So um, I sort of brought that out as a theme. But, you know, within that, we looked at, for instance, how to embrace working from home with children you know, as a parent. How do you actually get to make the most and appreciate both your work? and your children without actually losing or getting really frustrated <laughs> with, with both of It's really true. You know, we always write about, we say, you know, when people are getting really frustrated with working from home and, you know, home learning as well, is that we have to yeah. change our perspective. That's the first one of where we sit. So I'd love to hear what, you know, maybe some of the, the tips that you had for that that came out of that but one of the first things we always say is look at a different perspective so for example I used to get frustrated in the first lockdown and then after a little bit I decided that actually this is the only time in my life I'm going to be able to one really focus on my children but do work at the same time but see the joy of their learning and make them lifelong learners this was something that I then just we decided really quickly because it was that juggle and that struggle and that we didn't look after ourselves, we looking after the children and found it really hard. So the first thing we changed as a family was our perspective of what we could get through 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that is a really important point. And, and definitely that, like you say, changing of perspective, little sort of mindset shifts that can really help you to, yeah, not, not get so frustrated with it because actually we have to look at what is within our control. And there was so much out of our control <laughs> that actually there was almost no point getting frustrated. We couldn't change it. So I think my children, for instance, they are very young. So, and it was really interesting for me to see the variety of approaches that schools and, and teachers were taking with the homeschooling, because I have friends who's, you know, even as young as six, seemed to be constantly on Zoom lessons all the time. And it was very sort of still seemed like quite high pressure. And then other schools who were perhaps like, you know, it, I found very reassuring hearing from teachers saying, don't worry too much at the moment. You know, they are, you know, children, you, you can't expect to do absolutely everything. We will start catching them up when they return to school as normal and, you know, try to enjoy your time with the children. And, and, and for young children, particularly, how much they can learn just through play mm-hmm. and through, you know, just being around you and, and learning. I, I mean, we ended up you know, if I had jobs to do, so I had work, but I also, you know, had to keep the house on top of the house and the cooking and, and everything else. And, and obviously the homeschooling. So we would always, you know, for our own sanity and for our mental health, we would kind of look at, okay, what are the main things that we do need to achieve today from, you know, the homeschooling perspective? And then, you know, how can they help me as well? You know, get involved with the laundry and, you know, get involved with the cooking. And they were learning so much just from doing that. You know, you can, have a maths lesson by weighing out ingredients and you can do counting and sorting with the socks coming out the washing machine. And, you know, there were things like that, that I think I, I have to remind myself that actually, like you said, this is a time to be with them and to really appreciate them. And so I think generally that's how we got through it as well. And then the other thing that we found really helpful is actually just regularly talking to like communication. I mean, yeah, it's people say communication is important but it really is and I found that you know having regular conversations particularly during the first lockdown when it was all new and we were getting used to our routine you know and getting the children involved in the planning of our day and the schedule so that they felt important and part of it it wasn't just being imposed on them they felt that they were slightly involved so they you know we would try and get most of their work done in the morning just so that they had a bit of free time in the afternoon and in the morning they could hold their concentration for a bit longer as well yeah it was it I mean it was little things like that and you know juggling you know workspace as well with my husband who was suddenly working from home i mean the whole setup was just so different and so you know strange to all of us and and everyone i guess everyone in around the world to a degree was experiencing it very similarly so you know, that's how we that's how we managed. We did have a bit of a plan and a schedule, but we also made sure that that was flexible. So again, you know, that perspective of we are not in control here, particularly with certain things. So we've got to be adaptable. And, you know, my husband's job was pretty high pressured at the time, too. So he was seemed to be constantly in meetings. And we just had to accept that there were going to be some days that were tricky <laughs> and and you know and like you I had to skew my day slightly I would try to get up a bit earlier so I could get on with a few things and then I'd end up working a bit later as well which wasn't ideal for me but like you know you ha- I had to also prioritize the well-being of my children as well so that they weren't getting completely stressed and having a really miserable time of it 
Oh, so true. The mental health is one of the biggest things that's going to have to be picked up when the children go back to school. So you're right about play. I mean, that's going to be the social and emotional development and school readiness for children. So much goes on in there and you understand how they feel as well because they will say things to their toys in role play and you'll sort of listen in and figure out where they are and how they're feeling, if they're worried, if because sometimes children can't I suppose communicate that. Express that. Yeah. yeah. Communication is yeah. this. So it's it is Yeah, we we got outside a lot as well. I think that was one of the key things. I mean, obviously during the first lockdown that was much easier because the weather was good and we were going, you know, spring, summer. But I found, you know, just make, you know, when they're at school, gen particularly in the younger years, they're outside so much and that that's a big part of the, the day is playing outside. So we just made sure that you know, we had little things that they could get on with outside and, and setting them off on little activities and things that didn't need me, you know, to be there sort of hovering over them, like supervising constantly. You know, we, we used to do like little scavenger hunts around the garden <laughs> and all kinds of things. And it just, they'd love it and they'd get sent off and, you know, it would give, give me a few moments to get on with some, catch up with a bit of work. And, you know, they got to run outside and get some fresh air. And we found just going out, and having those regular breaks as well and getting off the screen and that sort of thing, which I would advocate anyway for anyone working from home, but particularly, you know, when you're all the family are glued to Zoom calls and lessons and things. I think, did you find that the feedback was at the start of the first lockdown, companies kind of had this expectation because they weren't used to this flexible working, is that they were having everyone on the Slack meeting after meeting and it was kind of to see whether they they were making their worth you know holding on to their jobs at times it wasn't I suppose sustainable as you'd say to yeah have young like the children like one of my children is on something like five or six lessons a day back to back on zoom and you know he's 10 it's not doing him any good so we've actually no. taking him off for the family but yeah. I was just, whereas as other companies sort of allowed their workers to have the flexibility straight away. And I suppose that would be up to management of how they run mm. the culture of the company, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think it really did. It, there was a bit of a variety, certainly from sort of the people I spoke to and, and from what I could see and from what I was reading and, you know, the, the term Zoom fatigue came up, you know, and it, it is a real thing you know it is not sustainable and nor is it good for anybody's mental well-being either to be on a screen on a zoom call all the time all day and I think it really depended you know those businesses who perhaps had a good process of flexible working in place already found it much more easy to adapt and whereas those obviously who perhaps been more reluctant to implement flexible working or just hadn't see had the need previously I mean that would have been more of a struggle and there was a tendency to be you know if you were in the office nine to five normally then you should be at your computer nine to five now while you're at home and the one of the beauties of working from home is that there is that flexibility and we also have more autonomy as workers and you know that again is going to be a struggle for some leaders and some managers because it really depended on their management style, but all of that has had to evolve and adapt over the last year. And, you know, those who've done it really successfully have embraced the sort of the concept of output rather than hours. And, you know, as long as you're getting your work done and, you know, it doesn't really matter when you're doing it or where or to a degree when or where you're doing it. So, and it allows people, workers to manage their work around 
their life, which has been really important this year, rather than the other way around. And I think one of the great things about working from home is that, you know, it allows us to do that. And what I found really interesting, so just ahead of the first lockdown, I, you know, I could see what was happening. We were hearing all the news from China. And I interviewed for the magazine, I interviewed a teacher, funny enough, actually, in China, because they had already gone through, they were in lockdown. And I was chatting to him about how they were experiencing it and, you know, any lessons that we should learn already and ready for our own lockdown. And, and he said exactly the same things. He said, you know, you need a schedule of some kind. You need to get outside regularly. And the other thing he said was how they very quickly learned that being on, you know, Zoom calls and lessons, you know, all day wasn't doing nobody any good. And, you know, I think that was the first time I really heard about this sort of Zoom fatigue concept, which obviously over the last few months, more and more of us have been talking about. And do you know, Louise, I hadn't heard of Zoom until first lockdown. I have to be honest. <laughs> we, we use all these other, we use Google, I've used all yeah. the other things, but Zoom, all of a sudden, first lockdown, Everyone was Zoomtastic. Yeah, isn't it funny? I I mean, I had heard of it because I used it a lot for um, interview. If I, you know, couldn't meet someone in person, for instance, and I was interviewing them, then, you know, I did use, tend to use Zoom. Obviously, there are other video (laughs) conferencing and software available, but it does seem to have become the default. And it's almost become now the, the generic term, hasn't it, for just using a video. But yeah, I mean, it's funny. I think a lot of people, it was a new a new thing for them but I guess Zoom are an example of one company who've done really well out of uh, out of the last year. <laughs> In Amazon but you know you're interesting yeah. have you ever heard the expression a Bundy clock watcher? Bundy clock? Do you know the Bundy clock? It's an Australian expression Bundy clock. It's when mm, you, do you work- know even though I have lived in Australia <laughs> for a number of years I, I I haven't I don't think I have kind of no a- it doesn't it doesn't ring any bells no it's it is when you work in a factory or even offices they used to have your time sheet you clock in the Bundy clock mm-hmm. and clock out so I suppose it's okay you know how you're saying about productivity versus time so a lot of companies still have that Bundy clock watching when they first yeah. went into lockdown but there are other companies that you know, an amazing job. They're sort of closed half their offices. There's closed at 30% yep. hot desking. I mean, there are some amazing stories as well coming out, which I'm sure will be covered in the Homeworker magazine as well with the pandemic. Yeah, I mean, we do look at all of this stuff. It's, it is really interesting. And there are lots of lots of positives have come out of this. I think it's interesting. So, you know, for instance, my, my husband, he, you know, works, uh, you know, I'm self-employed. I run my own business. My husband's an employee and he when he very first started working from home, which was actually pre the pandemic, because his company have been pretty good. And they've actually had they do have a lot of they were very good around honoring sort of flexible working requests and things, but he didn't do it very often. And he really hated it. He really didn't like days when he was at home because and I think this is something that's been really common for a lot of people new to working from home, is this sort of almost mild anxiety of kind of having to be on switched on at your computer all the time and this sort of guilty feeling if you're away because you're not you're not working or you're going to get found out somehow and you should be there and you know if you're not switched on at you know 9 a.m or before or earlier you know then you know you're going to get into trouble and it was I think it is a really big adaptation that's required you know you've got there isn't it isn't just 
as easy as I said at the start to just you know be able to one day work normally from an office and the next day suddenly be fine working from home there is you know there's a quite a lot to change not just in terms of setup but your own mindset and the way you think about it and approach it and and yeah, you know, even the way you work and we're all sort of <laughs> starting to get there now after many months. But, you know, he now actually loves working from home and has seen huge benefits of doing it. And I know that his company won't go back nine to five, Monday to Friday in, in the office. And, and this is the same for a lot of businesses. You know, they're looking at their office space that they're holding and they're going, well, we're not going to be all in the office anymore at the same time. We're going to so they're looking at repurposing the the space, you know, for those times when you need more collaborative work and, and workshops and that sort of thing. And the rest of the time, people are going to be, you know, based at home. And I think we'll probably see this hybrid approach being adapted by more businesses and, and more companies as we emerge out of lockdown. I think people are seeing the benefits of being at home but equally, there are things that we miss from being in the office. And I'm talking here, obviously, about remote workers rather than like for myself, a self-employed person, I was always at home. But, you know, there are things even then that I, you know, I've had to adapt to, you know, I'm looking forward to the coffee shops back opening back up because I used to love going and maybe working from there for a couple of hours and just getting out of the house. So I think there'll be a lot of things that remain from this period and you know a lot of positives and equally I think you know it'll be really nice when things do start opening up again and we can start interacting a bit more and, and socializing. Well that's really true but are you finding more it's in the UK and the USA and countries that have been hit worse with the pandemic than other countries say for example in Asia like Taiwan they haven't had you know many cases or anything mm. and so they've run as normal with a little bit of social distancing, masks and, you know, washing of hands. Mm. So their work policy hasn't really changed. And I think, you know, that culture is going to take a while anyway. But yeah, it's more inside their countries like the UK and the USA for the more flexible working. I mean, possibly. I think, I mean, it's very hard to say because I don't, I haven't really spoken to, actually since I've, I've spoken to that, um, I spoke to people in China. But I think possibly over here we had that, perhaps more of a, a culture where we did you know have that not not everybody you know could could access it obviously but I think it was going that way and, and I think a lot of the mm -hmm. more sort of techie you know like the sort of newer media and tech companies that was part of their culture anyway you know you think about some of the businesses coming from like Silicon Valley and those sorts of things they often had a flexible work culture anyway so I think it probably is in those it's probably more to do with the kinds of businesses perhaps rather than the countries themselves I, I don't know but you know obviously places like you know Twitter and things they came out very early on and said you know people can work from home for longer for as long as they want really you know permanently and again I, so I think it's perhaps more the sort of uh, the type of, of business and the nature of the, the work perhaps more than the countries but but yes I mean again all those countries over in Asia, you know, they do have quite a different work culture anyway, generally speaking. So perhaps they will be um, wanting to go back to back to the office. But, you know, it's funny because I, I lived in Japan for a year, met quite a few years ago now, but I still have friends over there. And, you know, I know that quite a few of them are still working from home and, and some are commuting still so I, I mean I, I I don't know it's hard to say but I think it's a bit of a mix but probably a bit more dependent on the, the company that you work for. Absolutely now Louise I have a question for you something that I'm really interested in we're going to divert a little bit from the homework mm -hmm. 
magazine. But I read this morning about an interesting project you did while living in Sydney, and you completed the writing of a <laughs> memoir for a former refugee, and it now sits in the National yeah. Library of Australia. Yeah. As, as a, well, I could say former Aussie Australian, but I haven't <laughs> lived for many years. But I'd love to hear about how you got involved in this. It's funny, actually. So when we moved over to Australia, I was working still as a journalist. In my background is as a journalist, I've worked for many different news organisations and and done various different jobs, mainly in the reporting side, presenting side and some production. And then I started, I was freelancing for a short time over there in Sydney as well. But I was also looking for kind of other things. My husband was in the forces and was away quite a bit. So while I did have some freelance work I was also just looking for something else that I could do that actually was flexible because one of the other things for me and in my background was you know with a husband who potentially was going to be traveling about or maybe we had to move you know it was all a little up in the air there was nothing it was all quite transient so I never really felt comfortable getting a sort of solid nine-to-five job in case I suddenly had to leave so I I was looking for something that I could do from home and actually a neighbor She knew that I enjoyed writing and I liked writing. And although a lot of my journalism has been in broadcast, you know, I still love writing. And I was actually sort of in in my own time just started to write a bit of a novel, just like a fiction thing, just for my own pleasure. And so this neighbor found a little advert in one of our local magazines in Sydney. And it was asking for a journalist to help somebody write their story. And it was quite intriguing. And she goes, oh, you should get in touch. And I thought, you know, this is interesting. Like, because I had no idea who this person, I mean, what was their story? I mean, could were they some former KGB agent now living in Bondi or had they just grown the biggest tomato in the eastern suburbs or something? You know, like I had no idea what their story was. So I thought, well, why don't I go and I'll meet them and I'll get a feel for it. And anyway, so I met this guy, lovely guy called Stan. And he was actually from the former Yugoslavia. And he had, he started telling me some of his story. And he, he basically wanted to document his sort of journey, if you like, from growing up to arriving in Australia when he was in, kind of in the 60s. And so it was really interesting for me because he had kind of, he was, he had this European background and he'd had this incredibly interesting life growing up. And it was so removed from what his own children and grandchildren were experiencing, you know, growing up in a fairly sort of affluent part of Sydney that he wanted to let them hear his story. And, you know, English was not his first language. So he wanted somebody to help him do that. So I started interviewing him and doing it through a series of interviews and then wrote up his story about arriving in Australia, but from his childhood, from his early childhood growing up under, you know, under Tito in communist um, Yugoslavia and or he lived in um, Slovenia and sort of between Slovenia and, and Croatia. And I mean, it was just fascinating hearing about his childhood, like growing up in this very, very poor family in some ways quite idyllic <laughs> childhood and then his journey of sort of you know he spent a bit of time in prison he uh, escaped and fled over the border and sort of hitchhiked his way through Europe to get to eventually Paris and then after a few years there working managed to get his visa and, and get over to to Australia where he started his own business eventually oh, you know after a while he just started 
you know, as many immigrants were doing when they arrived in the 60s, it was all about construction and building and, and that's where he got his foot in and, and then he ended up running his own business and actually doing, being very, very successful. So it was a really fascinating story and, and it was such a lovely project to work on. I got to know him really well. He became a really good friend and, and part of, almost for me, because I was living in Australia and didn't have any immediate family out there at all. We sort of felt like we were kind of adopted into their family for a bit. That's really lovely. It's really lovely to hear stories like that, indeed. But, you know, I don't know, in, in Sydney, there's so many, it's, it is a diverse culture. It's like London, when you're living in London, it's very diverse. Yeah. That, you know, you meet many a people. And when you travel, as you know, you meet, you always have some great stories to tell when you live overseas and you have these experiences. So, you know what, I'm really excited for you to have taken on that project. I think it's just something. It was a lovely project to do. And, you know, it was obviously just a sort of a one-off. But I feel like the, the friendship has lasted. And, you know, it was it was lovely for him. Like, I didn't that I didn't know if anything would come of it. I um, I wrote it for him and he, but he ended up, we put out like a small press release actually just so it, and it was picked up by his local um I you know I'm, I'm starting to think in English terms now but it was picked up by <laughs> I was going to say county but it's they're not county but he was um yeah but, but sort of his his local area they picked up the story and then I think what happened was somebody from the maybe the Maritime Museum or something fans who have read about it and you know that's how it all happened and then they asked him to come and like talk to them and then the National Archives they they present they took a copy over to the National Library in Canberra and there is a copy of that story sitting there which is really nice. Do you know what that's a really lovely thing to have under your career as well not many people will have had that experience so I think that's fantastic but thank you so much for talking to us today about the Homeworker magazine and I suppose my next question is how can listeners hear more about the Homeworker, subscribe or even get in touch with yourself? We might have an amazing teacher that has a story for you or anything like that. So yeah, definitely. So the, the main place, I mean, if you go to the website, which is www.thehomeworker.com, I'm also on social media, so Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, I occasionally use if I remember to get on it. It's so hard with all the social media platforms. But yeah, I mean, Instagram's probably the main one that I use at the moment, and that's just at the Homeworker Mag. But all the contact details and things are on the website too, and you can you can get in touch. And we always welcome, you know, if people do have a story or something that they want to share, then, you know, we always welcome hearing from people. So, you know, yeah, do get in touch. Louise, thank you so much for chatting with us today. We're so excited to share your story. And, you know, as I said before, you're way before your time having this three years ago now. 80, I think it's 80%, it not more than that, working from home, especially in the first lockdown, it was 80%. So thank you very much. Yeah, no problem at all. Thank you very much. There are so many exciting developments happening right now in education. EDX Education would love to hear from you, so do get in touch or subscribe to our podcast, which is available on Apple, Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn, and so many more. This podcast series is brought to you by Heather Welch from EDX Education, as she'd like to say, let's create lifelong learners.